Hello and welcome to episode number three of the Lessons of the Wild podcast. I'm your host, Alex Hernandez. Thank you for being here. Uh, this episode's a special episode. It's my first round of questions and answers. All these questions were either submitted to me via the Lessons of the Wild Instagram text message from people I know or uh, just straight up in person. So if you have any questions, please hit me up at lessonsofthewild at gmail.com or on my Instagram account, saying Lessons of the Wild, but there's an underscore between each word. So with that being said, let's get started. Good morning and welcome to the beginning of a long, long line of podcasts where I answer your guys' questions. So thank you to those who've already submitted questions. Guys, remember, if you have any form of question, I'm here for you. Submit it, no matter how dumb you might think it is or how simple someone else out there wants to know this information too or hasn't thought about it. So please send me your questions. I got some really good questions here. It's going to be a short podcast, but I'm going to do my best to answer everyone's questions either here or through email or Instagram account. If I think it's a good question, I'm going to answer it on here. A really insightful question, rather than all questions are good questions. But that being said, let's get to it. Um, this first question is from my good friend Mia. Uh, she listened to last week's or the last episode, rather, and shot me these questions at this question I thought it was a good question so uh, shout out to Mia thank you um, what is the difference between hunting and trapping well that's a good question um, both are pretty related hunting and trapping both involve taking the life of an animal hunting utilizes a bow or a rifle or some form of projectile usually to take the life of an animal where a trap uses just that a trap or trapping rather use just that a trap and uh, you place the trap with either bait or in the path of the animal where you know the animal is going to be and the trap will dispatch the animal for you um, traditionally trapping has been used to catch fur bearing animals so animals whose pelts are used to make fur products like coats and stuff mink is traditionally trapped beaver otter um, what other critters? Coyotes. Uh, that's kind of a big one, though. Um, and other animals. You know, fox. Fox as well. Um, and there are different laws pertaining to trapping and hunting. So that's something to know if that's something you're interested, interested in. And you should know that trapping is known to be much, much more challenging than hunting. Um, you know, hunting, you kind of have a radius of where you can dispatch an animal from or trapping you have a pinpoint spot so you're supposed to supposed to be a better woodsman if you're a good trapper right that's that's what they say so if you want to become a good woodsman trapping's probably the way to go i'm interested in trapping but it seems like a big bear to go and attack so i need a mentor um if you guys know anyone you got the email um so thank you for that question, Mia. Great question. Um, another one comes from Andrew from Indiana. Thank you, Andrew. What's too long to wait to field dress an animal? 
Good question. Um, I would say it, have, it depends. It depends on the weather, mostly, and it depends on your shot. So if you shoot an animal in the heart, you probably have more time for it to be field-dressed and not have any meat loss, because things spoil. But if it's a hot day, you have a lot less time than if it's a cold day, right? So you want to keep things, think refrigerator temperatures. Meat lasts longer in the refrigerator than it does outside in the hot. Quite simple. But an animal's body temperature needs to get out of the body for it to not spoil quickly. So the sooner you can field dress an animal, the better. That being said, if you're going to be archery hunting, you know, you usually have to wait an hour or two to go track it or you're going to go bump the animal, you know, as it's dying if you didn't get a perfect heart shot. So, you know, it's really, you got to play it by ear and that you'll get better at it with experience. But I have yet to lose meat. Granted, I haven't been bow hunting long. Um, so just, just kind of know that you're kind of limited. Uh, hour or two is kind of pushing it in cooler weather, right? Because the guts will start to spoil. Um, if you get a gut shot, you know that means probably not going to be great in in the cavity. So you gotta you gotta really rinse things out and be ready and kind of judge it by smell. You know, I like the smell test over anything, um, but. You know, I would say you got about an hour or two before things start to make their way south. So if you can get to the animal, get it gutted and cooling off. Now, if you're in a hotter day, if that means putting ice in the cavity, that's a good move. Um, you might get a little waterlogged meat. You know, it's better than spoiled meat. You can eat waterlogged meat. Or get it, parting it out into quarters and putting it in the refrigerator. That's a good move too. You know, just keep things cool. Think cool. You want cool. You know, hour or two, I think you're fine, but it's gonna start going bad. It's gonna start moving. If the animal's alive, it probably won't go bad because it still has oxygen going to it. But if it's dead and you're tracking it and you just can't find it, you know, you gotta play it by ear. And you're never really gonna know how much time you know went by. So just be prepared. You know, there's not really many resources on this. Um, comes with experience. I have yet to experience it, so I can't be such a good um, mentor for you for this. I'm sorry. But you know, just get to it as soon as you can. Okay, and you know when meat goes bad. That's all I'm saying. Alright. This next question uh, comes from Brandy from Indiana as well. How do I get the animal to my car without straining my back? That's a really good question, especially for a dude who has really bad back problems. Um, so there's a couple ways to do it. If you have a big animal, traditionally whitetail animals you drag out, but you don't have to do it that way. Um, you can go the western style of hunting and part out the animal in the field and carry it out bits by bits. So the way you do that is you'd have to have a backpack system, a good hiking backpack system. You know, I wouldn't recommend just your old school bag, but get your backpack system that has hip support, you know, the hip strap, and then you cut the animal into quarters, or smaller if you need to, if you really have a bad back. Um, I would suggest skinning the animal completely, so the body heat can escape faster, because you're going to be making multiple trips, 
And what you would do is you would field dress the animal, skin it out on the ground, and cut the big cuts off with your knife. Um, usually you want to put the meat in game bags because you can it'll that'll keep flies and stuff off of it off of it, sap moisture from it and let it dry at the same time. So look up game bags. Um, I've heard cheesecloth works. I've never used it, but game bags online, good way to go. And then you'd want to hang the remainder of the meat in a cool, cool spot. Uh, now that means a north-sided hill, if you're in a hilly area, um, around running water, because that's usually cooler. Um, in the spot you know that's going to be shaded and cooler than the surrounding for a long time. And it is surprising how long meat can be kept uh, if you take good care of it and proper care of it. You just got to kind of use some woodsmanship. I know you guys are rookies, but just keep practicing. But that's a really good way to not strain your back is to you know take it out bit by bit versus, um, versus at one time. Um, you know, I have a bad back. I still kind of power through it, but I'm waiting for the day that goes south. So something to think about. Um, also, there's a lot of whitetail systems that utilize harnesses. Like I, I never used one, but there's like a body harness that you can hook up to your back and drag with your legs versus having to bend over. So it hooks up. You tie like paracord or whatever to the the back leg of the animal, and the animal has you know, their Achilles tendon is a great place to put a slit through and get a good grip or tie something to. That's usually where you hang the animal from. So I like to drag with that, or if they're uh, a male deer, the antlers are usually a really good place to drag an animal from. But chicken to harness systems, that's a good way to kind of keep you stable and not making awkward bends and maneuvers through woods. It might You might get caught up through stuff, so that'd be kind of a pain. I would favor the western style of parting the animal out. Now if you're going to be... Um, taxidermying that animal and you still got to part it out you got to be much more careful so I'd recommend um, bringing like a hatchet or something so you could make a like a gambrel which is uh, the part that when you're skinning an animal and it's hung up um, that goes in the legs and it hangs and keeps the legs spread so you can use a big stick for that and paracord or just paracord or whatever and hang the animal from a tree and skin it like a sock, you know, you get it, look up some resources on YouTube, but what you do essentially do is you start, it's hanging from its back legs, you skin down the back legs until you get to, like, the belly, but you don't, you go through, through the inside of their thighs, right, you draw a line with your knife through the inside of their thighs, always cut up, I'll explain that better, but in a second, but you're cutting up through the thigh, so you get to about the, if it were a male deer, his genitals, and you'd have to cut off his genitals if you're there, but, um, or you have to leave him attached to a thigh, that's something to think about too, proof of sex, you need to keep test, test if you're going to do it western style, you need to keep proof of sex, so leave a testicle on, um, if, I would keep, like, the uterus, if it's a girl, if you can, you can identify that, I don't know how, People do identify that, but um, that's something to think about. I don't actually know. I'll look that up for you guys. Um, but, you know, you're going to want to peel that. Instead of cutting any further, you peel around there, and then you use your weight 
to kind of peel the rest of his skin off like a sock, like a tube sock. And then he gets it about the neck or the head, and then you use your knife to cut through atlas, which is the, the last bone or the first bone of the spinal cord from the head. And it attaches your head to the spine. And it's, it's kind of a tough cut if you've never done it before. But you could do that. If you have a saw, you could just cut through the bone. It's not a big deal. And then you pack out the taxidermy. You pack you pack out the head that you want taxidermy with all the hide. Give your taxidermist all the hide you can. And then you can either lower the animal or part it out there. Um, there's plenty of videos on YouTube as far as parting out. Again, I like Steve Ranella. Really good resource. Really good at explaining things. Um, so there's that question. All right, our next question. How can you prevent making noise getting to the blind in the forest floor if the forest floor is covered with leaves? Okay, so I have a lot of experience with this. Um, and I have found that soft-soled shoes, you can stay in your boots, but if you want to use tennis shoes or bring pack out some tennis shoes, put a backpack, have some tennis shoes on when you're going in, and then just put your boots on in the blind to keep warm. That's a good way to do it. You walk slow. Um, if you're going to leave your boots on, get there earlier than you normally would. And walk like a ninja. It takes practice, but you have to just... It took me... This year, hunting in Indiana, it took me 30 minutes to get to my blind. Just because I didn't want to jump anything. And that is a super valuable, valuable thing to do. I know a lot of people don't do that. I think it's a very important thing to do, um, but I just walk super, super slow, and it's hard to see, so you don't really know where you're stepping, so you bend your knees, and when you pick up a foot, you keep all your weight on your stable foot, it takes some balance, and you slowly, slowly put your foot down, and listen, you know, and kind of gradually put weight on it, but keeping most of your weight on the, the stable foot already. And then you kind of roll. After your foot's planted solid, not going to make any more noise, you roll into it and you do, you know, you repeat the process. It takes a long time, but you can sneak up on animals really easy. Another valuable thing to do is just know the terrain. Um, if you know where wind's coming from, because that's a big way to jump hands with your scent, animals with your scent. And if you know oh, if the wind's coming from here or your thermals, which is has to do with your scent being pulled from cold air dropping or rising and stuff like that. And combined with wind, you can kind of sneak in and kind of be more noisy than you normally would without having to be overly noisy. But, um, for example, at my place I hunt in Missouri, me and my brother-in-law were talking about last time, um, by the river is where all these big bucks are, rubbing. And there is a, like a little gully that you could start on the south side of the river and work your way up. Is it the south side? It might be the east side, east to west. And go in there, and it's a sand bottom, so you're not going to make a lot of noise in. And just be covered. And you could, he said he snuck in and had a doe bedding, you know, fit like 20 yards from a stand, and he never even jumped her. He found, he saw her get up in the morning. So, know your terrain. If you have one path, walk slow. Slow and steady wins the race. You could also, if it's not overly moist out, just wear your wool socks. Double up on wool socks and wear a pair of wool socks. It's like wearing moccasins. 
you're super quiet. If you have really nice moccasins without a rubber sole, do those too. I hear those are insanely good. I've never tried it, but a lot of uh, primitive hunters like to use them. Love to get a pair, but, you know, money. Money's time. All right, so great question. Thank you for submitting that. Um, next one. Are scent removers necessary? No, they're not necessary. Um, makes me think of the dodgeball quote. Um, now, I don't use them all the time because I just don't want to spend the money. And I've killed plenty of deer. Granted, I haven't killed many ginormous things. Um, I know Mark Kenyon, who's a big whitetail hunter, I've recommended on this podcast before. He has a saying, he says, I don't know if these things work, but if they give me a 10% like advantage, more than I would have without it, he's going to use it. So that being said, I don't think they're necessary, but they could help you out. So a white-tailed deer has better smelling power than a German Shepherd. That's something to think about. Um, and I've seen like some studies on this. I don't know if they're like official studies, but they're probably just company-based studies um, where they do these things with dogs. And I forget the product. There's different kinds of scent removers too. There's like masking where you just cover yourself in a scent that an animal would be used to. And there's like trying to remove. I don't know the validity of either. But I saw the study and I, I don't know if it's which one it is. I think there's a third too that I just don't remember. But um, it gave a dog, it confused a dog for about 40 seconds. Now, if you're a hunter, if you've hunted before, 40 seconds, 40 seconds isn't an eternity, you know, especially if you're lining up a shot. So, you know, that's kind of up to you. I don't use them just because I don't want to spend the money. But, you know, I don't think it could hurt. It might hurt. They might learn the smell of that as human. So, I don't know. I don't really know. I don't think they're necessary. I've killed animals without doing it. And for the beginner hunter, I think you could save money. But if you want to get the spray bottle and spray your boots, I think that's that's what I do when I have it. Or if I'm with a buddy who uses it. So I, I still spray down and, and use it. So I don't think it's necessary. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. That's what, how I should put that. Um, another question. Should you wear compression socks while sitting in a standard blind? Um, Alright, I'm going to get all medical on you guys. I think if you are an older individual, as in 40 and above, or if you're taking any form of heart medication, any blood thinner, pre- uh, blood pressure medication, it would be valuable for the lady hunters out there if you're on birth control. I think it is a very valuable thing to wear to prevent blood clots. Um, That's what they're meant for. Um, If you didn't know, birth control is known to cause blood clots. Uh, I have a medical background, so I'm not just speaking out my ass. Sorry. Um, So compression socks are just really tight socks that help keep your circulation going in your veins. Um, your veins, in order to move blood, have to con- your muscles have to contract, and if you're sitting for long periods of time, your blood pools in these valves in your veins and can have a clot, and if a clot gets thrown to your heart, you can get a pulmonary embolism and die. Or if they get thrown to your brain, you can have a, a stroke, which would be fun. Um, so, I'll leave it up to you, but I think if you fall into any of those categories, I think it would be a valuable thing to do. Um, also, just... Another way to kind of avoid that is make sure if you're in a standard blind, if you can get a standard blind that has a rail or something where you can hang 
some form of cover for your lower body so you can just stretch out um, and move and without you know revealing yourself because if you're open you can't move and it's not good for you it's really not to just sit like that and do nothing so um, I mitigate that by sitting in blinds that have like waist-high rails if you were standing and then I usually I don't put anything on because I haven't worked these blinds or stands I just use blinds but um, the places I hunt who have them they put like a drape of like that leafy looking army tactical stuff and that usually that keeps me covered and makes me allows me to stretch out my legs and contract those muscles um, which I think is valuable so I would do that if you're ever you guys and wear compression socks if you fall into those categories I mentioned I'm sure there's other categories too um, that I didn't mention so kind of I would talk to your doctor if you have any condition and you're worried about being uh, sedentary alright guys those are all my questions thank you to those who submitted them uh, if you have any questions at all hit me up on Instagram direct message me I'll get back to you send me an email you know, I don't know if my spam filter is filtering anybody out, but I'll you know keep an eye on everything. Um, if you're one of my buddies who has my number, shoot me a text. I'll happily put something on here for you guys. Um, that's it. Thank you for joining me. This is going to hopefully be the first of many, many of these podcasts. Have a good rest of your day. And if you haven't already, follow me on Instagram. Follow me on YouTube. All right, guys. I'm getting out of here. Getting my day going. What have you done for hunting today?